live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Well, happy, happy President's Day and Lundy Gras Day. I hope you're having a wonderful time wherever you may be. Hopefully you have the day off. All you school kids out there are off. I hope you had a um, fun weekend wherever you may be, parading and whatnot. But we are here today, Monday, February 20th, the year 2023, for the next two hours, from 2 to 4 p.m., as we are each and every day, Monday through Friday, through the course of the week. And, um, yeah, looking forward to tomorrow off as we all celebrate Mardi Gras. So that'll be that'll be fun. Um, Manning, the producer's chair, as he does every time we're on the air, my main man, James Mesh. Spinning the tunes, pushing all the right buttons. He's inside the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which is where you'll find KLWB, which is 1037 in Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles. Thrilled to be there. We're streaming everywhere. everywhere. So if you're at the beach, you can hear us. If you're up in the mountains, you can hear us. If you're um, out there in the Caribbean, you can find us because we're on 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can pop on your television set because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. John Steinbeck wrote a book called Great Expectations. Those could fall into the lap of LSU's top-ranked baseball team, and they were pretty impressive with a season-opening series sweep over Western Michigan. The Tigers outscored the Broncos 24-5. to They played error-free defense and allowed only three hits in each of the three games. In the series finale yesterday, Tigers pitched well for the third day in a row. They won it 9-2. Freshman Chase Shores made his Tiger debut, allowed one run on two hits and three in the third. Um, That following in the greatness of Paul Skeens and Cooper Riley, Uh, And LSU was impressive to say the very, very least. Uh, The Tigers will be back in action tomorrow when they face Southern with a two o'clock first pitch. And then they head to to Round Rock to um, play a bunch of games Friday, Saturday and Sunday. While Coach Jay Johnson's baseball team was taking care of business at the box, Beth Tarina's Softball Tigers continued their streak to start the season with a 3-1 victory at Tiger Park over Central Arkansas. The win moved LSU to 10-0 on the season, marking the best start for the program since 2018. 
Then you had to go to Gainesville, Florida. Kim Mulkey and her LSU women's basketball team improved to 25 and one overall, 13 and one in SEC play with a 90 79 win at Florida. Angel Reese and Jasmine Carson combined to account for 50 of LSU's 90 points, each had 25. That was a career high for Carson, who nailed seven three pointers. As for Reese, all she did was knock her 25th double-double through 26 games. Next, the Tigers travel to face Vanderbilt Thursday night at 6.30 p.m. While the women continue to win, the men continue to do just the opposite. Mm. Um they struggled at the line, couldn't have take advantage of 12 forced turnovers, and they lost at home to South Carolina 82-73. to The Gamecocks hit 15 of 32 from downtown, 47%. Um, I thought this was a winnable game for LSU, but now their losing streak is up to 14 straight, not ready from the jump ball at the start. They fell behind 15 to five in the opening five minutes, another scoring drought and LSU unable to overcome that, uh, that start. They were four of 13 from three point land early on. They keep shooting threes. They can't make threes. It's, it's crazy. Cam Hayes had a breakout game. He had 25 points, but the lefty Adam Miller finished with just three on one of six shooting uh, there's not a lot you can say, just not a lot. Um, their confidence, obviously, what do you expect it to be? Uh, they're at the bottom of the bracket in the SEC. They return to action Wednesday night with a home matchup against Vanderbilt. Um, team Giannis beat Team LeBron uh, in the NBA All-Star game. Um James Mesh and I are playing more defense right here, right now than they did during the all-star game, but who cares? That's what makes it fun. Russell Westbrook plans to sign with the Clippers. Houston is atop the top 25 for the third time this season. South Carolina in the men's poll. South Carolina is still number one in the women's poll. Kim Mulkey's um, LSU basketball team is at number five. Um, so South Carolina and LSU top five in the country. No other SEC school is ranked at this time. So there you go. So LSU with only one loss still can't track, uh, crack that. And they can't crack the, uh, the top number one seed line in the latest, uh, bracket. Let me tell you our guest list today. He was on the call of every game over the LSU baseball weekend his buddy Cal Ripken Jr. was in town. Ben McDonald will join us in just a few minutes. Glenn West will share his thoughts on um, LSU hoops and everything else going on there. Shelby Mast of our, our bracketologist for the NCAA tournament will kick things off in hour number two. Chris Rose for glue. Michael Thomas is out there tweeting again, and it's negative for the Saints. March 17th is a big day. If he's still on the, the roster by that time, about $32 million guaranteed dollars coming his way. The chances of that slim and none just left the building. Uh, and then Blake Rafino will join us after that. So a fun day planned for you and yours. 
We'll take our first time out of the day. Ben McDonald talking LSU baseball here after this timeout. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We're brought to each and every day by ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks Cleaning America's Air from the inside out. By Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches and permanent fat reduction along with it. By the Louisiana Lottery, you can't win until you start playing. By DC's Little Capital Exxon with their true soul food deli, home of the best cheeseburger your mouth has ever tasted. By the Aesthetic Medicine and Anti-Aging Clinics of Louisiana, get back in the game with hormone replacement therapy. And by Cajun Chef, ah, crawfish season, turn up the taste with Cajun Chef hot sauce. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. And we are back at 13 minutes after the hour um, on this Monday, February the 20th. Happy Lundy Gras Day. Happy President's Day. Happy LSU baseball fans as the Tigers outscored Western Michigan in a series sweep 24 to 5. He was there as the color analyst, uh, the former um, All-American, gold, you know, the Golden Spikes Award winner, number one pick in the ref, and he had his buddy in town. What's up, Ben McDonald? How are you, sir? Good, Jordy. How are you today? I'm terrific. Uh, did Cal uh, Ripken uh, enjoy his time in Baton Rouge? Yeah, I think he did. Uh, he seemed to have a really good time. You know, he's in town. His uh, He calls it his bonus daughter. His bonus daughter is uh, applying to veterinarian school uh, at LSU for the springtime of next year. And so they're just kind of making the tour and seeing some different schools that are out there. I guess she graduated from Ole Miss, and now she's looking to get the veterinarian school. And they visited two or three other vet, vet schools across the country and decided to come down to Baton Rouge because the vet school down here is obviously really good. So, it was good to catch up with him. Good to see him at the ballpark. He talked to all the boys on the LSU team on Thursday afternoon, which uh, cool. which was a really cool deal. And of course, came to the game on Saturday and uh, threw out the first pitch. So, yeah, it was good to catch up with Junior. And had a pretty nice meal at a pretty nice place, I saw. So, good for y'all, man. Good for y'all. So, um, golly, outscored Western Michigan 24-5. to I don't care who you're playing. You play error-free defense, and you allow only three hits in each of the three games. Wow, you sum up what you saw. Well, I think what best defines this team so far from what I saw is depth. And they have the depth on the pitching staff side and from a position player standpoint, too. In years past, you go back like the last three or four years, LSU's not had a a ton of options off the bench. And it feels like Jay Johnson's got a lot of options now. I think he can mix and match certain outfielders, certain DHs different positions around the infield, depending on whether the opponent is throwing a right-handed or left-handed batter. And certainly when it comes to the pitching staff, it looks like they're, they're deeper than they've been in a long time, Jordy, and, and a lot of big-time arms. Now, make no mistake about it, losing Grant Taylor about two weeks ago hurts. I mean, uh, he was projected as a weekend rotation guy. Of course, he's out with Tommy John surgery, so that does hurt for sure. But still, there's a lot of depth there. I thought Paul Skeens on Friday night, look, he's projected – 
you know, the second or third best college arm out there right now. He did not disappoint on Friday afternoon. I mean, he uh, struck out 12, only walked one. The fastball, first pitch out of his hand was 99, and the 98th pitch that he threw, which was his final pitch, was 98 miles an hour. So I was impressed the way not only how hard he threw, how many strikes he threw, but how he could carry his velocity, you know, through those first six innings and nearly 100 pitches. You know, uh, I think it was a little bit of a surprise. Riley Cooper got the start uh, in game two, but look, Talking to Paul, uh, not Paul, I'm sorry, talking to Jay Johnson about Riley Cooper, he said, Ben, he just earned it. He said he outpitched almost everybody through the fall, through the spring, so I wanted to give him an opportunity to start. Of course, he didn't disappoint. He went five and a third, shut out, no hit innings for him along the way. And then the big freshman, Chase Shores, all six foot eight, 245 pounds of him, uh, started yesterday in his first collegiate start. And, it, you know, it was probably what I would call a B-minus for him. Uh, the, the the fastball velocity was big time. Like, he got up to 99. He sat about 95 with the fastball, showed some off-speed stuff. But certainly very promising young man, but he's a freshman at the end of the day. But I think he could be a weekend rotation guy for sure. And, and as you mentioned, the offense, look, it was even losing Tommy White after one at bat, which was a big blow for LSU. They still were able to put it together and put some pieces out there and score some runs. Out. You know, I guess a really a pretty solid team. Golly. Um, where do I start? Um, how about the freshman, D.H., Jared Jones? He, he, looked like yeah. he, he looks like he knows what he's doing out there. Yeah, you know, I mean, monster first. first let me say this. I mean, this is the largest, most physical team that I think I've ever seen in the LSU uniform. These kids are giants, Jordy. And, and you talk about Jared Jones. I mean, he's every bit of 6'5", 240, true, true freshman, uh, swings it really well. And, look, he stepped in right in the middle part, you know, hitting three, four, and 5. And, and I asked Jay about him, too, and he said, listen, he said he just hit all fall. He hit all spring. And I just couldn't get him out of the lineup. And, boy, he didn't, didn't disappoint this weekend either. And just a big kid that's very physical, he impressed. I mean, and that's the thing. This is an older veteran-type team, but yet for all three games, you know, Jay Johnson started three true freshmen. I think Brady Neal, the catcher, uh, showed flashes. He showed really good for me behind the plate. He was very good defensively. Now, uh, you know, they didn't run a whole lot. I mean, Western Michigan didn't try to steal any bases, so I couldn't tell about the arm. But from his framing right. standpoint and the way he handled the pitching staff, of course, his hitting being from a left-handed hitter, and you could see a platoon situation. You could see Alex Malazzo bat against left-handed pitching, and you could certainly see Brady Neal uh, bat against right-handed pitching. So there's a platoon situation there as well. Ben DePole, to transfer from VCU, uh, looked really good. Started at second base, and then when Tommy White got hurt, he played the rest of the time You know, over at third base. He had four RBIs on the day. Jordan Thompson looked good at shortstop. You mentioned the lack of errors. That was a big concern for me, and I know it was for everybody. I mean, we talked about LSU last year. They fielded dead last in the SEC. Like They were 963 fielding percentage. Typically, LSU's 978, 980. Uh, but they were way down last year. And quite frankly, it cost them four or five ball games not being able yeah. to make the routine play. Yeah. They made all the routine plays, so that's a big step in the right direction. So I like what I see. It's early. I mean, you talk about Western Michigan. It's a team that's only been outside on the field up in Michigan right. one time in the springtime because of snow and ice. And so they're a little bit behind. But as we rock through, you know, Southern probably won't present much of a challenge for LSU on Tuesday, but certainly when they head to the Round Rock Classic, they'll see a little bit better competition when they go there this coming weekend. Explain this stat to me that I saw. Um, in 2022, there were 719 homers hit on opening weekend. That's 1.61 per game. 
This year, 2023, 852 homers were hit opening weekend, 1.89 per game. So the long ball is there. Um, and Gavin Dugas, how significant is that? The, he's a graduate. He comes back to play second base, and he goes crazy this weekend. Yeah, and the cool story with him, uh, Jordan, you know this, is that you know he had some eye issues back during the fall and the spring, and you know he wasn't he was missing some balls. And Jay said, "Hey, you need to get your eyes checked." Well, they found a little, something irregular going on with one of his eyes, and the vision was yeah. kind of messed up. He had to have a little bit of a procedure to get it corrected. He got it corrected, and obviously, he's seeing the ball well. And it's it's crazy how when one guy goes down, another guy gets an opportunity. Gavin Dugas didn't even start on Friday. He only got the one pensioning appearance on Friday when Tommy White got hurt and the Polk goes yep. over to third base. And then Gavin gets the one at bat. Well, he gets a base hit his first at bat, and he's plugged into the lineup in games two and games three and just go off, you know. And everybody forgets about this kid. Remember back just two years ago, Gavin Dugas led the SEC in RBIs. That's what kind of run producer yep. he was. And that was just two years ago. As you mentioned, fifth year on campus, he's been nicked up throughout his career, only got 103 at-bats last year, but still hit over 300. But if he stays healthy, Jordan, he's a guy that has a high on-base percentage. His swing decisions are really, really good. He brings a ton of experience. And we'll have to wait and see how he checks out at second base. That's something I'm watching, too, because I remember him a little bit his freshman year playing second base, but mostly his career has been in the outfield for LSU, and now he's making that transition to the infield. But like I said, Jay's got a lot of interchangeable parts. You know, if he right. finds some better infielders and maybe Tommy White comes back to third and the Polk goes back to second, maybe you see Gavin Dugas go back out to the outfield again. So he's the kind of guy, if he, as long as he hits like he's hitting, he's going to be in the lineup somewhere. You know what they say, if you're making, making shots, the coach will never take you out. And if you're hitting the ball, the coach will never take you out. Plain and simple. Right. Um, ben McDonald with exactly us. Right. Yeah, LSU had four doubles, two triples, four homers in the weekend series. Another guy that I think is going to be pivotal to this team is junior right-hander Ty Floyd. Um, boy, you can't do any better than what he did Sunday uh, coming in the fifth inning with the score tied at 1-1 through three perfect innings, no walks, four strikeouts. That's what you want out of a closer, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you talk to Ty, to Ty Floyd, he would tell you he wants to be in that weekend rotation. Now, who know how? Who knows how this is going to check out as we go through this season? Uh, but right now, it looks like he's penciled in to be the closer. Uh, you go back to last year, LSU had so much success with Gervais, who is gone now, and, and Razelman, who is gone now. They had those hard throwers that threw strikes at the back end of the bullpen, and it made a difference for LSU. I think that's probably where Ty Floyd's going to be. Um, Wes Johnson, the new pitching coach, is really gotten with Ty Floyd. We always loved his fastball. He could always throw strikes with that fastball. He had a good fastball velocity-wise. But he always struggled to really command an off-speed pitch. So I was kind of watching that from him yesterday to see if he had some, some off-speed pitches going. And I saw a couple of different breaking balls. I saw some good change-ups as well. So you can see his maturing process. I think, you know, we talked about this number one recruiting class. We talked about this number one transfer class. But probably the biggest pickup of the season for Jay Johnson was probably going to be Wes Johnson, the pitching coach. I just think at the end of the day, he's going to make such a difference on this pitching staff from a lot of different angles. It's not very often you bring a big league pitching coach in to the college game. And by the way, he was on a big league team that was in first place 
in the month of July, the Minnesota Twins, when Jay yeah. made the phone call and somehow got him away from the Twins and brought him down to Baton Rouge. So that's going to be a, a huge pickup. Talking to some of the pitchers this weekend, they love Wes Johnson. They love the analytical side of it, but they also love the mechanical side and what he's teaching them right now. And so I think it's going to be a big year for the pitching staff, although the staff did make some improvements. I mean, LSU's you know, staff, we go back, take away last year when they finished sixth in the league in the ERA. You know, they were down towards the bottom, Jordy, the three previous years. They were like 12th, 13th, down towards yeah. the bottom. I expect yeah. that staff to make a big, big pickup this year. I, I'll be shocked if LSU's not a top three pitching staff in the SEC this year. I just like that this team has got some size. For so many years, we were like the Mighty Mites and just had no, right, <laughs> I was had no on size whatsoever. The other day, this is not a knock on Paul Benary. I love Paul to death, but it almost felt like there for a while. Paul was recruiting guys and telling his recruiting coordinators, listen, nobody can be taller than me if you sign them here to LSU because that's what it felt like. It just definitely gets the kids. They tried really hard, but at the end of the right. day, I like like Ole Miss's team last year, a big physical team that can bang it around a little bit because that's where the SEC is and that's where college baseball has gotten back to now is blowing the ball out of the ballpark. You mentioned all the home runs hit. The ballparks in the SEC are not giant ballparks. And I think they've tinkered with the balls a little bit, Jordy. I think the bat standards are still the same, but, like, the balls are a little bit different for me. They're wound a little bit tighter. There's less seams on them, so you get a little more carry on the fly ball. And so the name of the game now is home runs. I think LSU hit 113 of them last year, the third-best mark uh, in Southeastern Conference play behind Tennessee and Florida. But I think they'll be right there again this year. I think they'll hit more than 113 this year. Okay, your opinion. Um, LSU's thinking about making opening day – a day game. I personally love it. You tell me. Well, I mean, I, in Major League Baseball, opening days are typically always day games. You know, right. um, the only downside to that is, is I think sometimes if you do it on a Friday, you know, opening day, people are at work and they can't get to the ballpark where it might have been a sellout that night. Uh, that's maybe, and maybe your TV audience in some ways, people are at work, you know. Now on the weekend, I don't think it matters, but Sometimes, you know, during the day it could matter a little bit. But I love opening day being a day game. And it's just a, a very cool time. Uh, you know, got to hit the reset button. You're tired of scrimmaging each other, and you get to run out yeah. there and play for real, you know. So there's a lot of excitement in Baton Rouge this year. I, I mean, we went to the first pitch banquet a few weeks ago, and it was just a different buzz in the room than it's been in previous years. You know, I think That's fans awesome. really feel like, you know, LSU's got a real shot to get to Omaha this year. LSU hasn't been to Omaha in, like, since 2017, I believe, right. Jordy. And so right. it's probably the longest stretch that I can remember maybe in the last, what, 30 years that LSU's been vacant from Omaha. So I think that's well within their reach. I think these kids are a veteran bunch that understands that they have a real shot to do that. Uh, talking to the coaching staff and some of the other people, they really get along. Because, look, they brought in 21 new faces. There's 21 new faces on this roster. And you know how it is with a team. Sometimes – so many new faces don't gel real well. It just takes right. some time. From what they've been telling me, this team really really kind of kicked it off in a big way. Like, they really got along well with each other, you know. And it's a star-studded lineup. I mean, you talk about Tommy White and Paul Skeens and Cruz and Morgan. You know, all of them are preseason All-Americans. Three of the four have been All-Americans before. It's an explosive lineup, an explosive team, you know. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch this year. Can't wait. Um, ben McDonald, uh, greatly appreciated. High expectations, and so far they've lived up to the billing. They, You know, they say every record is uh, made to be broken, but ain't nobody going to top 2,632 consecutive games like Cal Ripken. 
I, I, I swear, that's the unbeatable record, isn't it? Yeah, for me, I mean, I think there's three of them out there for me. Pete Rose's 4,100-plus hits. Uh, Nolan Ryan's 5,000-plus strikeouts will never be touched in a career. Of course, nobody will ever approach 2632, you know. And so he's simply known as the Iron Man. That's who he is, you know. And so it was a, it was a treat for me to catch up, and I know a treat for – folks around here and hopefully his daughter gets in the veterinarian school and if, he, if she does we'll see the iron man down in baton rouge a little bit more that's awesome will there ever be another 300 win picture uh you know verlander's still out there scherzer's still out there right now but they're in their 40s jordy and I, you know they still got to pitch another four or five years to get there so I, the way that we're going now with instead of getting 35 to 40 starts you're getting 28 29 starts yeah. I don't know if that's approachable anymore. I just don't think it is, you know. So that's why I think they're lowering the expectations for the Hall of Fame. You know, if you win 260 now and you had a great career and you were a Cy Young Award winner, won a World Series, I think you got a good shot at getting in. And we're starting to see some guys get in. And that's kind of like the 3,000 hit thing, too. You know, we're starting to see some guys. That used to be that you had to get 3,000 hits to be in most right. of the time, you know, or right at it. And we're starting to see some guys get in with less than than 3,000 hits, maybe less than five homers, which used to be the standard as well. You know, so things are changing a little bit. But to answer your question about 300 wins, man, I, I don't see anybody in the near future that's going to approach 300 wins unless somehow Verlander, who seems to be a bionic man, and so does Scherzer, unless they pitch for another four years, which maybe they will. You know, Verlander's always on good teams. He's got a chance to win 15 to 20 every year, you know, and so we'll yeah. see. Whew. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Ben, thank you so much, man. Happy Lundy Gras to you. All the best to you and your family, buddy. The the, uh, yes, the marathon has begun, big guy, so enjoy it. Yes, sir. Always good to talk to you, Jordy. We'll talk soon. You're the best. Ben McDonald. We'll take a quick time out here when we return. Glenn West will be talking hoops in Tigertown next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Join us for a day of golf and giving at the Game Charity Golf Scramble, benefiting Redbird Ministry, sponsored by Courtesy Brobridge. Hit the links at Farm Day Alley while supporting a great cause. All proceeds from the tournament will go towards Redbird Ministry's mission of serving families who've been given the extraordinary cross to carry the loss of a child. In addition to 18 holes of golf, the day will include great prizes, food, drink, and a great day with the staff at the game and Courtesy Brobridge. So gather your friends and colleagues for a fun day on the course while making a difference in the lives of those in need. Get your foursome together and register now at 1037thegame.com. Together, we can make a difference. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber for the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we're back 35 minutes after the hour as we continue rolling on. We just had Ben McDonald on talking LSU baseball. Glenn West is kind enough to join us as he does each and every Monday. Go 247 Sports to talk about everything else, I guess. Glenn, happy Lundy Gras, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great, Jordy. How are you? I'm terrific. Um, where would you like to start today? 
I, I, I mean, I know you just talked about baseball, but I love baseball. So, uh, okay. what, any, did, what, what, how good is Paul Skeens? My goodness. Yeah. He's, he's very impressive. I mean, he was, um, lights out on Friday night, looked like every bit of a Friday night ace that you hope to have that will keep you in games, uh, weekend and week out at 12 strikeouts and, just about six innings and a third, I think, is what he went. And just, uh, yeah, really dominant stuff. Gets his fastball up in the 97, 99-mile-an-hour range and didn't really dip below 97 for most of the game. And so that was Crazy. super, super impressive. And then he has great off-speed uh, control of his slider. Uh, that that fastball slider one-two punch is, is going to be devastating, I think, for a lot of hitters. What's he going to be able to throw when the weather gets warm? Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, they, they, it was a really chilly afternoon. Um, they moved up the game three hours on Friday to yeah. just because it was going to be even colder at night. Um, and and he was still wheeling and dealing. I mean, I think that was a really smart move for the program to you know make sure that those arms aren't tightening up or anything. So uh, in the colder weather, but that that was really good. And then look, I mean, yeah, there when it gets to warmer weather, I think you're going to see these guys really get unleashed from a pitcher's perspective when uh, when that in that Typical spring baseball weather. I'm taking a straw poll. Are you in favor of the season opener being a day game? I like it. I mean, from a writer's from a writer's perspective, I really like it. I mean, uh, it's better to have a game finish at six thirty, seven o'clock than ten thirty or eleven when most people yeah. are probably winding down and going to bed. So, yeah, I'm all for it. Everybody talks about well, those people that have to work on a Friday. Well, then let's move opening day to Saturday and play a doubleheader or something. Play two sure. on Sunday. Wait, I mean, yeah. there's all kind of ways to do it, right? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, uh, I think I think most people around Baton Rouge and Louisiana could get off a day, take a personal day wherever they need yeah, to. You come know, on. come on, that's right. Plan it well in advance, and you're good to go. Um, <laughs> I think the most impressive thing to me: error-free baseball. Yeah. Whereas last year they couldn't. They're knocking the ball around all over the place, but not not one E on the scorecard. Yeah, I mean, part of that comes from the dominant pitching performances. I mean, the the pitchers are, are striking out guys left and right and making it really tough on, you know, tough pop flies or easy pop flies and yeah. ground balls. So part of that's on the pitchers. But, yeah, there were some really nice plays made uh, in the field this weekend. Trey Morgan – uh, as a really dominant first baseman, and he made a couple nice little sliding, diving plays. Mm -hmm. um, ben Nipple is probably their best, uh, you know, second, third base option defensively, and uh, he he did really well when Tommy White got hurt in that first uh, mm -hmm. inning of the first game. So, uh, any update on White? What's what's what what's the deal? Yeah, so he separated his shoulder. He had that issue last year that popped up on him in his true freshman year and so they popped back into place and it's just going to be a pain management thing i think you know they're, they're they're probably holding him out for a few more days before they try ramping him up but doesn't sound like it's anything long term um you know i think probably the 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 safest way you could kind of ease him back is maybe as a dh for a few games and then wait for that arm to get really uh really pain-free before you throw him back out at third base and I, we talked with Ben. He talked about the depth of this team. He said that, and he said it's the biggest team he's ever seen at LSU baseball. They look like giants. Oh, they're huge. I mean, uh, they've got Chase Shores, the freshman, who's six eight, six nine, and Skeens is about six six, and uh, Jared Jones, who DH most of this last weekend, is about six two or three. So, like, yeah, they're 
they're big. They got a lot bigger, a lot stronger, got more power to them. And I think it's going to be a really good, successful year in Baton Rouge for baseball. Is Matt Jones's team, Matt, Matt McMahon's team going to win a game the rest of the year? I thought South Carolina was the one. God, they 15 to five out the gate. Come on. Yeah, I, I thought it was uh, their best chance on Saturday, too, which is why I went to that one instead of the baseball game. Um, but, man, they're they're in one of those funks, man, that just is it's hard to climb yourself out of. And, you know, I think confidence is is shot right now. There's just not a whole yeah. lot of positivity going around. Uh, and it's hard to be positive. It's hard to find positivity, even in the little things. And, you know, they were able to kind of claw themselves back into this game. But to not be leading at any point at home against a team in South Carolina that only had two conference wins coming in. Uh, that's, that's just not very good and it's just not going to get it done. So um, certainly you're going to see a team, I think that addresses a lot of needs in the off season. They're going to think you're going to see a team that has a lot more size next year at every position. Uh, you need some shot creators, um, the guys that can create not only for themselves, but for others as well. And, uh, yeah, I think you just got to get through the next couple weeks and hope you can keep a couple of those freshmen on board. Yeah. Um, didn't watch, didn't go, didn't, did nothing of the sort this weekend, but I mean, anybody going to these games? Yeah. So they had, um, you know, I think for the student section wise, you know, it was very bare. They started sitting a couple people in the student section, um, but I think that also was a combination of a lot Mardi of the Gras. kids going down for Mardi Gras and right. uh, baseball was also going on around the same time. And so it was just not a not a great clash of uh, yeah. LSU basketball. But, you know, they had they had a they had a decent, you know, set of fans in the middle sections there down below. And um, they just never got into it, though. And for good reason. I mean, they just there was never really a, a rah rah moment here yeah. where it looked like LSU right. was going to win that game. Meanwhile, uh, as LSU's men continue to lose. LSU's women continue to win. They're what twenty-five and one now, and uh, yep. thirteen and one uh, in SEC play. So they've certainly bounced back. South Carolina had a scare against Ole Miss, and we were like, Ole Miss, eh, Ole Miss, pretty good. You don't yeah. want to play them in the tournament. Yeah, they played Ole Miss, and they uh, LSU actually beat Ole Miss, um, you know, not too long ago. And yeah, uh, yeah I mean, look, it was. Not their cleanest game against Florida. I think they'd probably be the first to tell you that, that they, it wasn't probably their best game. Um, but, you know, when you're not playing your best and you're still winning by double digits, I think that means that you're a pretty good team. And so, um, you know, Angel Reese had another double-double, and right. you know, Alexis Morris is still a really phenomenal scorer for them as a starting guard. And, yeah, I mean, if they're going to win a lot of games. I think that was the biggest thing. You know, they coming into the season, you were going to see that, you know, team really get into that, firm 23 to 27 range win margin. And I think they're certainly going to get that and more. So uh, certainly just nothing but uh, exceeding expectations. If you ask me fifth in the country, still can't get over these teams with a bunch of more losses and they still can't get to the number one seed line, but Hey, it is what it is. Let's finish this thing out and see what happens. We don't ever talk about softball, but they're 10 and Oh yeah. That Torina got it going. Yeah, yeah, they're they're playing well. Also, I'm not going to pretend to know that I have 
uh, a lot of college and softball right now. I haven't really been following that deeply, but um, yeah, I mean, look, a lot of the uh, a lot of the spring sports are, are getting started here in the next couple weeks and months, and uh, I think you know there's a lot of lot of optimism and excitement around the the baseball and softball teams. I said uh, before, and I think I asked you this: with all these new coaches around, who was going to be the first to win a national championship? And I kind of thought Jay Johnson. Yeah. And I think I'm, so. sti- I'm sticking yeah. with it. I think so. I think they've got a great shot this year. I think he did a fantastic job rebuilding this roster. Somebody, an analyst in the offseason, I think he works for MLB.com, said he got a, a, a comp to Jay Johnson, and it was Kirby Smart and, and how they approach and how they recruit and the success they've had uh, in their respective sports. And I think the one thing that's missing from Jay Johnson's resume right now is a national championship. You know, he's recruited top five classes at Arizona and at LSU, and uh, he's won a lot of games. He's gotten teams to Omaha. The the one thing he's got to do is push it over the the hump there and get one one ring, and I think the rest of it will fall into place. So uh, they've got got great – leadership at the top of this team i think you've got a, a great shot at winning it this year and they you also saw this last weekend that the future is very bright as well with some of the freshmen and young talent that's uh, really stepped up to the plate and the air force uh transfer the sec picture of the week in paul skeets i want to know about the lefty riley cooper yeah um, he, i like having that righty lefty righty change yeah. things up and that's something paul never did and i'm not knocking you paul i love you <laughs> but we never had lefties on the team yeah, so I mean that was one that was a little bit of a surprise, I think, to us when when that kind of came out late last week that they were going to start Riley Cooper. He had looked really sharp all all fall and all spring, but we, I think, a lot of people in the media kind of thought that they really liked what he did out of the bullpen as kind of a gadget guy you could plug in in situations out of the bullpen, you know, twenty five, thirty times a year, and yeah. uh, come come. Opening weekend, he was the the starter and getting you know five six shutout innings and uh, you know really really as a Hitless. as a strong yeah Hitless. yeah he was a strong strong arm. I mean a guy that uh, for a lefty is uh, got a lot of got a lot of juice to him, and I think he's going to be a guy that uh, LSU is certainly excited about moving forward as a potential starter for the rest of the year. How many how many guys do you think they legitimately have that could be a weekend starter? four, five, six. I mean, how many? I, I think they could have as many as six. I mean, you, Thatcher Hurd was the big UCLA transfer they got, and he didn't even pitch this weekend. And and you had Ty Floyd and Christian Little, who both came out of the bullpen and had really phenomenal outings uh, in extended runs this weekend. Uh, Ty Floyd came in, pitched nine or pitched three innings, retired all nine batters. Yeah. Christian Little pitched two innings, and I think he retired six of seven batters. So, like, there's there's a lot of a lot of good pitching on this team and guys who have starting experience in the past. Um, and I think it, it puts Jay Johnson and, and pitching coach Wes Johnson in an advantageous situation here where they can throw to matchups. They can put Thatcher Hurd in one weekend and then Riley Cooper in the next weekend and, and not feel like they're getting any kind of drop off and, and just really pitch to the matchup, which is really, really uh, a good place to be. Man, that's pretty good, man. Pretty good stuff. So now they've got Southern, and then they head to Round. Where the heck is Round Rock? It's in Austin. It's a uh, it's another field that they have. It's not at Texas. I don't know exactly who plays there. I think it's a minor league team. Minor but, league team. Yeah. Um. Yeah. They, they they have another field out there, and they're gonna they're gonna it's play the Texas them. Rangers AAA affiliate, the Round Rock yeah. Express. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, it's always so you, fun. Yeah, yeah, it should be a good. Uh, should be a good weekend. I think they've got um, San uh, San San Diego State this weekend, or Kansas State, Iowa, and Sam Houston State are the three teams they're playing this weekend. And uh, yeah, it should be a good weekend. I think you know it's their first true road kind of environment where you know it's no, it's a neutral ground situation, but you know you're getting on the team plane, getting on the buses, and getting mm-hmm. that feel for what it's going to be like come SEC play. So it'll be good. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. I'm all for the um, opening day day game. I think that's yes. I think that's terrific. I really do. I think you're terrific as well, Glenn. Um, so we got what, where's your focus now? I mean, you got uh, basketball yeah. coming down the stretch. You got baseball starting out. So where are you going to be? Certainly, I'll be at a lot of baseball games. I'll be there to the bitter end for basketball. And uh, <laughs> shortly after, we got spring football coming up in three weeks. I mean, the first Ooh. first practice is March 9th. So, I mean, that's Ooh. less than three weeks away. So, uh, we'll be very busy over here covering recruiting and all that LSU team stuff. So, we'll, we'll keep you well informed. Matt McMahon is thrilled that baseball has started. He wishes spring football has started. So take a take the focus off of this basketball. Let's get to the finish line, get this yep. thing over with, and let's start anew, man, with a whole yep. new looking lineup. Please. Right there with you, man. I, I think they're gonna dip heavily into the portal and yep. as they should. Yeah, yes, it's gonna be should. a long, long, long off season for those Glenn guys. West, go two four seven sports. Thank you, sir. All right. Thanks, Jordy. Yeah. Appreciate All it. Right. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. We'll wrap up our number one. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You want to take uh, your lady out for a nice dinner, but you're low on cash? Not to worry. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort, a $50 gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville, a $40 gift card to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard, and a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. You can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we're back at uh, 54 minutes after the hour as we wrap up our number one. The NBA All-Star Game took place. Um, how about Mac McClung, the um, former Texas Tech Red Raider who uh, is in the G League? How good was he uh, in the slam dunk contest? My goodness. Damon Lillard, it's Dame time, won the three-point shooting contest. Uh, and Team Giannis, Giannis scored the first bucket of the game and then had an intentional foul and took himself out. Uh, they play no defense, but I'm going to tell you what, um, James Mesh has got to be a happy man. James, hop on board here real quick for me. Uh, your boy, your boy of the Celtics was the MVP. You got to be ha- You had to be joyed about that. I mean, both of my boys went off. Jason Tatum had 55, yep. and Jalen Brown had 36 himself. I mean, they they basically just had one on ones the whole time, and the other eight just went stood on the 
on the other side of the court. But I mean, <laughs> they they both scored. A bunch still got to make shots. Uh, yeah, still got to make shots. It's fair. It was a one v one, and I mean, they both just got the better of each other. I mean, it was uh, and the range that these guys are dropping down shots is just. I mean, Dame Littler hit one from half court like he was shooting a layup. It's just crazy. I, I I don't understand what's happening in the game. Um, you try and take that shot. Anybody try and take that shot as effortlessly as they do it. It is, um, it is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But anyway, those guys are so good, but they play no defense, but that's okay. They've got, uh, I think the season resumes on like Thursday or Friday. Uh, and then it's a sprint to the finish line. And, um, you know, Pelicans fighting for their dear lives. They're in the seventh spot right now. We'll see what they can do. And if Zion ever comes back, is he going to come back before the end of the regular season? Is he going to be in back in time for the playoffs? And how quick is that adjustment going to be? Is he going to be in the playing game where it's one game? I mean, who knows? Who stinking knows? Anyway, um, yeah, I thought I thought I'd get you in there. Jason Tatum with a double. I mean, he was just on fire, on fire. Coming up, hour number two. Shelby Mast, our bracketologist, Houston's uh, uh, number one. Alabama's on the one seed line. Let's see who's moving up, who's moving down. Chris Rosevaglu, Michael Thomas at it again, sending these cryptic tweets and then deleting them. What kind of message is he sending this time about health and the 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 uh, the medical staff for the Saints? And then Blake Rafino from the Are You Serious podcast. It's all coming your way. Hour number two on this Lundy Graw slash President's Day here on the Jordy Heltberg Show. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's hour number two of two, and away we go on this Monday, February 20th, the year 2023. It's President's Day in this part of the world. We call it Lundy Gras, as we anticipate the Mardi Gras conclusion. And Lent starts on Wednesday. My main man, James Mesh, in that highly coveted producer's chair, spinning the tunes, pushing all the right buttons, He's in the game studio, which is on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, well, you can put us on your television set because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. It's another week of college basketball, counting down toward conference tournament play, and um, one thing remains the same. Uh, you might be number one in the country this week. You might not be number one in the country next week. As this thing continues to evolve, it's very, very fluid. So we bring in our bracketologist, the one, the only, Shelby Mass from USA Today Sports, collegeinsider.com, and here on 103.7 and 104.1, the game. Shelby, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Doing good, Jordy. How about you? We're doing terrific. So Sunday was kind of a blase day. What did Saturday do to your bracket? Uh, it uh, kind of threw it all up in the air. It started <laughs> with the uh, reveal 
where the, the committee revealed their top 16. I had to adjust after that, and then a full day of games, and it was, it was fun. Mick Cronin's not too happy. He calls it a joke of where the tournament seed is. And, I mean, they're 23-4. and four. They're ranked number four in the country. Uh, where do you have the Bruins? I had them right where they were, right in the same place. And that was? Last number two seed. They, they're okay. a great what? team, but their resume doesn't have a lot of meat on it. Their best win okay. is Maryland. Okay, I'm curious about Texas A&M, all right? Texas A&M is in the SEC. Everybody keeps waiting for them to fall. Um, they're 12-2 and two in the league, just one game behind Alabama. They're 20-7 and seven overall. Tennessee is 20-7 and seven overall. They're 9-5 and five in the league. And then, but Texas A&M's not getting nearly the love that Tennessee is. What's going on with the Aggies? Well, the Aggies, I think, were projected a lot higher, and they haven't lived up to expectations. And they've got two early season quad four losses that are really ugly, and that's what pulls them down. Uh, one of them was at home, and that is you just can't lose a game like that at home, and they did. So it used to be, Shelby, where – you know, okay, it's not how you start, it's how you finish, but that's not the case anymore, is it? It's the total season in its entirety. So a loss in um, early November is equally as important as a big win in February. Yeah, I think the committee kind of got, there were some teams that supposedly rested starters and star players just getting ready for the last 10 games. So that would be part of, you know, a big part of their resume. And they just got tired of it. They made it where all games are equal, no matter uh, where, when, who, if you play them in November or March, they count the same. All right. Who's your number one overall seed in this, uh, at this point in time? This point is Alabama, followed by Houston, Purdue, and Kansas. Of those four, which team do you have the most confidence in? I don't know if I have confidence in any of them. I think <laughs> maybe Kansas, but I think all of those teams have won games they should have won and lost games they sh- that they should not have lost. And so if I were a betting man, I don't think I'd take one of them right now. Okay. Would you go to a team on the two seed, Texas, Arizona, Baylor, UCLA, of those four, who do you have the most confidence in? I think maybe UCLA. They're, they're a veteran team. They've mm-hmm. been there. they got guys that know how to handle pressure. Uh, Baylor's very good, and they got a really fantastic guard lineup. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, uh, they got back a couple weeks ago. I'm not going to say his name because I'll butcher it. Right. But uh, Baylor is playing really good. So probably UCLA and Baylor right now. Did Kansas just destroy Baylor? Or did, did I dream that? I, you know, Baylor was up 13 and a half. Wow. And then it, they weren't. Okay. I gotcha. I was wrong. Okay. Um, you know who surprises me? Old Shaka Smart's at it again. He's he's taken Marquette and made them relevant quickly. Yeah. I, I wonder how the UT fans feel about it. I mean, I he didn't. 
do that much at Texas. He was always kind of a bubble team. And then mm-hmm. he goes to Marquette and his world beaters. And so I, I think he, I think he was well liked enough that he, they're okay with it. But they sure wish he would have done something with their program in Austin. Shelby, did you you mention Texas? Did you expect a drop off after their coach was um, uh, was fired? And Texas, you've got them on the two seed. You got them as the highest number two seed at number five overall. Are you surprised Texas has? maintain and even improve their status even after Chris Beard was let go. Yeah, I am. I, I really expected a drop off and I was discussing with a friend of mine, you know, I are they even gonna stay in the tournament? I really hope so. And now there's no doubt about it and they could end up on the one line. They're playing fantastic. Man, that's uh that surprised me. It really, really did. Anybody make a substantial jump since last we talked? Uh, Creighton, the committee seemed to really, really like them. Uh, I think they're a good team, but I didn't have them nearly as high as what the committee did. And so I've moved up to the five line where I had them on the seven line. Uh, other than that, it's just one or two spots. Kentucky's looking safer by the, by the day and, uh, West Virginia's kind of fallen. Okay, so you've got Alabama as a one seed, Tennessee as a three seed. Um, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. Missouri, I like that club. Missouri's an eight seed along with Auburn. Um, And then you've got to go Kentucky as a 10 seed, as is Arkansas. Um, Vanderbilt's first four out. Uh, Let's see, any any other SEC? No, that's about it. So, um. Uh, I like State. Missouri. What, what do you think about them? Uh, uh, Missouri is their fun team. Uh, one thing about their resume, they don't have any bad losses. They they've only lost to quad one opponents, and so that will bode well for them. Uh, you know, they've got some in there that they maybe shouldn't have lost, and a few that they maybe shouldn't have won like they did. But they're 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 pretty impressive. And I think that they've got a first-year coach, and he's really doing some good things. Of those first four out, New Mexico, North Carolina, Vanderbilt, Utah State, uh, which one, if any, do you have confidence with looking at who they play down the road um, has the best chance of uh, cracking and getting into the field of 68? Well, there's only four regular season games left, so – North Carolina, if they're going to make a move, they better do it quick. They have zero quad one wins, and I've got to believe the committee will look at that and say, no go. You've had plenty of opportunities, and you couldn't win just one. And uh, so they've got a couple left. They better win at least one, or they won't hear their name Sunday. Oh, Chris Collins has done a good job at Northwestern, hasn't he? Um, They've kind of been invisible for a couple of years, but he's got them up, and you've got them on the sixth line, the number 21 team overall. That team out of Chicago, they're they're pretty good. They're pretty good, and I kind of bet he wishes that people weren't talking about them as much because that puts extra pressure on them, and, you know, this is new territory for them, so uh, good job for him. All right, so what? Uh, any any significant games we should be uh, keeping our eyes on in the next couple of days? Uh, next couple of days, I have not looked at the schedule yet. I'm trying to keep it as fresh as I can, so I don't there look you ahead go. too much. 
But tonight, I mean, Big 12 is always fun to watch. Always. Okay. Uh, Big 12 is really, really good. All right, Shelby. Um, We'll see what kind of pandemic, what kind of odds do you give Alabama being the number one team in the country when next we speak next Monday? 50-50. I mean, (laughs) Houston won right now, so that means they're going to lose. And Bama is probably uh, number two, and they'll scoot back up there. That's exactly right. You're the best. You're the best. Uh, thank you as always. Uh, try and get some sleep, big guy, because it's going to get crazier before it settles down. Yes, they will. Thanks for having me. All right, me. Shelby Mass. Thank you, sir. Our bracketologist of the NCAA tournament. We'll take a quick time out here. When we return, Chris Rosevaglue, what the heck is Michael Thomas doing and, and why next? This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We're brought to you each and every day by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. Over 60 in southern and central Louisiana. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks. Cleaning America's air from the inside out. By Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. The premier touchless robotic lazy lazy laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction by the louisiana lottery you can't win until you start playing by dc's little capital exxon with their true soul food deli home of the best cheeseburger your mouth has ever tasted and by cajun chef it's crawfish season any time of the year turn up the taste with cajun chef hot sauce Download the free Game Mobile app from either Android or Apple services so you can take the Blonde Bomber with you always. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. 17 minutes after the hour on this uh, Monday, February the 20th, Lundy Graw. President's Day, and um, the story is out now about Michael Thomas. Uh, the Saints, if you remember, agreed to a restructured contract with Michael Thomas back in January that calls for him to be paid $31 million guaranteed if he remains on the roster on March 17th. Well, on Sunday, he came out with some tweets, and apparently they weren't positive. They quickly deleted them about um, the medical staff. So I want to get Chris Rosewood in here to talk about what, what it sure seems like to me, Chris, that Michael Thomas wants to get out of Dodge, buddy. How are you doing today? By the way, I'm doing great, Jordy. Thank you for having me as always. And, uh, yeah, I think this, you know, this type of social media activity, uh, kind of validates all the reasoning when people start talking about the restructure and saying, We can't see Michael Thomas in the Saints uniform in 2023. It's stuff like this that kind of makes you feel that way because, um, and he might be right, by the way, we don't really know the the full severity of it, but when you make those type of statements, especially when you say at least some places I know in reference to not having a great medical staff, it's tough to imagine that player will be back when there really weren't many medical staff changes over the last month or two uh, for the Saints. But it's an interesting situation. I know we deleted the tweets, but that's actually – the second time in the past month, because a couple of days prior to that, it kind of went under the radar, but he was complimenting the Chiefs medical staff and saying how uh, they kind of go about the right way. And Travis Kelsey raved about them. And 
Uh, I don't know if maybe that's him hinting at a, a future destination or or whatnot, but it definitely seems like he, he's kind of ready to embrace the next chapter of his career. Chris, please explain to me. I, I, I'm not on social media. I don't I don't understand at all. I'm sorry. I'm old school. But why does that guy tweet and then delete? He knows it's out there. Why, why does he delete it? Yeah, look, I, I kind of agree with you in that. I mean, I, I know for my standing, if I tweet something that ends up being a poor prediction, I just leave it up there. And if people want to say, well, that didn't age well, you it, go. It well, but uh, to your point, right, he can delete it and it doesn't really matter because 50 different publications will talk about it in an article because at least one or two guys got a screenshot of it. And, um, you know, the tweet might not be forever, but the screenshot is forever. So to your point, I do agree. If you're going to put it out there, you might as well just leave it. And if you took it down because, oh, I don't want this to come back and, and and bite me in the behind, it probably will anyway, because to your point, someone was able to get a picture of it. So uh, I do find that weird. I'd rather you just leave it up there. Leave it up there. You thought to post it, just leave it. It seems like everything turned south when Michael Thomas got in that fight with a teammate. And it seemed like at that point in time, whatever, everything started to, dissipate and go in the wrong direction. Am I, is that accurate or? I mean, the, what I will say is it was definitely that season because we're talking about, you know, four weeks prior to that fight is when he got hurt in week one against the Buccaneers. And I know um, whether or not people want to say the right things about what happened, he definitely does feel a little bit slighted about how he did get hurt. And then what happened after? I know with the fight, when it went down, people were talking about whether or not the team had his full support. Didn't like that he got suspended for that Monday night game against the Chargers. People thought he'd be ready to go. And then he ends up suffering a setback anyway. Uh, I definitely do think, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, that was the season that kind of twisted this whole relationship. Because prior to that, we're talking about a player who broke records for them in 2019. So I do think that that happened. And I know that... For all the, I'd say, criticism Dennis Allen took this year, the one thing he tried very hard to do was get yeah. on the same page with Michael Thomas. I mean, he flew out to him in California. They sat down. They had really nice conversations. Week one was great. I, I thought Michael Thomas was all the way back, and it was fun to see. And it, it's kind of unfortunate because I just feel like it is deja vu. The same thing over again where there are those cryptic tweets. It does seem like you're ready to leave. And at this point, I know it stinks because we're talking about a player when healthy is a Hall of Fame caliber player. Right. But you, you just can't keep going down this situation. I mean, that was 2020. We're in the year 2023 and we're still de- dealing with the same song and dance. So uh, I do agree with you. 2020 is where things tilted and especially whether it was the injury and how it happened and the brawl during practice. Um, but, yeah, I, I just feel like it's, it's about time they, they get ready to cut ties. And I'd imagine they would. They were talking Derek Carr would require a third round pick to get him. Um, what can the Saints get from Michael Thomas? I mean, he's been damaged goods for two years now. It, it's tough because I think that, you know, I actually don't think they would get anything for him. And the reason I say that is I kind of look at it at the Derek Carr situation where teams might just call the Saints bluff and say, well, look, if you're going to cut him anyway, do I want to give up, uh, you know, a mid round pick for a player who, to your point, Right. He does have to deal with injuries, and there's no question about the talent, right? If it was just talent alone, Michael Thomas is worth more than a first-round pick because he yeah. is such a darn good player. But, um, you know, teams will be able to call their bluff, and and it's actually similar in the spot where Derek Carr had that guarantee in his clause where do the Raiders want to guarantee $40 million? Answer is no. Obviously, they'll end up cutting him. For the Saints, that there's $30-plus million you're going to have to give to Michael Thomas if by the third day of the new league year, he's yeah. still on the roster. So I think teams are going to say, hey, look, you're not fooling anyone. There is no way you're keeping this guy on your roster for that price tag. You're going to have to cut bait with him. And I think teams will be willing uh, to kind of make that yeah. risk, especially because I think the teams that make the most sense for Michael Thomas – 
probably don't want to give up a first, uh, you know, a, a first, second, third, maybe even fourth round pick for him anyway, uh, because I do think teams like the Chiefs are, are spots I could say, hey, come in. You don't have to be the number one immediately. We don't have to put all the pressure on you. Let's see what we can get you to do in maybe a, a slightly reduced role. And that might be what he needs to get his career on track. So I, I know it stings for Saints fans yeah. here, but I would be yeah. shocked if they got anything for him. Yeah. Um, golly. Now I keep hearing all these reports and not, not of all these free agent quarterbacks and all these pundits are making these predictions. And not a one of them says that any of them are going to the New Orleans Saints. I don't know what to think anymore, Chris. I just don't. It's, it's pretty stressful. Um, but you know, what's funny though, because I, you know, I wake up this morning and I see, they start talking about Derek Carr and, and the jets and they said, well, the meeting went well. And my reaction was when have we ever heard that a meeting went poorly That's between right. a free agent, right? That's we wouldn't right. hear about that. That was That's the case. right. So, That's right. Um, and, and on the flip side, I'll say this about the saints. I, I do think the struggle is if they don't get Derek Carr, where do they go from there? And I, I've been trying to, you know, battle that thought because I, I don't think the options after Derek Carr are very, you know, intriguing for next season. And that's where you get in the tough spot. But I, I still weirdly have some optimism that it's a 50-50 shot because I really don't think the Jets in terms of environment are the best fit for the best fit for Derek Carr because he's not a cold weather quarterback. And you know what? People like to make fun of the dome and, you know, you're able to put up better numbers. I really don't care. Derek Carr would be able to play in a controlled environment. Uh, you get to stay in the South. I, I think that would be good fit for him. And I just, I don't know. I'm not ready to give up on that one yet, but it is fascinating, right? When you see people start linking quarterbacks to certain spots, to your point, I haven't heard a single soul mention the Saints as that's a nice landing spot for that guy. Yeah. Go, All right, they're interested. And that's kind of where the conversation ends for them. They're talking about Carolina, you know? I mean, what's Carolina got that the Saints don't have? I mean, I don't understand it, but it's so ironic to me. It just goes to show you, all of a sudden we're making Derek Carr into this this probably a lot better quarterback than he is, but that's all that's out there. It is. And you know, the example I use, and I couldn't believe it when I was kind of going through the numbers, but um, Derek Carr in a sense kind of reminds me of when Kirk Cousins hit the open market. And I know people like to, you know, bang on Kirk Cousins because he hasn't really won a, a huge playoff game. And um, who knows if we'll ever get to the big game in itself. But I found it fascinating that when Washington lost Kirk Cousins and that happened in 2018, since then, and it hasn't been the largest stretch. I mean, we're talking about five years right now. 12 different quarterbacks have started at least one game for Washington. Yeah. And I think yeah. when you see that type of statistic, it goes to show why when a guy like a Kirk Cousins or a Derek Carr hits the free agency market, um, look, let's not kid ourselves. They're not elite quarterbacks, but they're top 15 quarterbacks. And, and even those are hard to find. And I think that's why teams like the Saints, the Panthers, the Jets, you start looking around, and you're like, well, do we just put all our chips to the to the middle of the table to get this guy? Because you don't know when you're able, you're able to get the next best guy or um, have a chance to kind of prolong the inevitable, which is being that spot which the Saints have been for the last two years, where you look around and say, I don't know what our answer is at quarterback. And 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 I know that a lot of people, the pushback has been, well, is Derek Carr a franchise guy? I think that's subjective to everyone. I think Derek Carr is a top 13 quarterback. Now he's probably 13, uh, but I do mm -hmm. think he is a top 13 quarterback. And at the very least, it gives the Saints more time to get to that point where you get your your guy for the next 10 years. You know, he buys you at least two, right. three years to figure that out. And I think that really would be a plus. If worse comes to worse, can the Saints win the NFC South if they run it back with Andy Dalton? You know, they technically can, because if we're being quite honest, if they don't blow that Buccaneers game, they probably win the division, which is crazy yes. to think about in itself. I know. Um, so I would say they, they can. And I, I do think that there are things that they can be better at. I do think that Andy Dalton, you know, if we take out certain games here and there, I thought the Bengals game was right there. They just didn't have enough gas at the end. 
And I honestly thought the defense really picked up towards the second half of the year. So if you can get almost a full year of that type of production, uh, I think that would help. And, and mind you, Marshall Lattimore missed so many games. So you'd hope to have him for a full slate. Mm-hmm. And there, there are a lot of guys who were hurt throughout the season. Ramchek was hurt. Uh, Andrews Pete was hurt. Uh, Trevor yeah. Penning, hopefully you get a full year out of him. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. So, yeah, look, I, I think you absolutely can make the argument because I think the division could be worse. I think what gets tricky is if you lose Derek Carr and let's say he goes to the Panthers, I'll probably give the lean to the Panthers, but by you know by no means would I count the Saints out just because it is a bad division. So I do think it's feasible. It's just probably the least appealing option when we go right. through what the Saints might look like next year if they completely run this thing back. Healthy, healthy offensive line, improve your running game. Then the, maybe I, I'm not saying that's what I want with Andy Dalton, but I, I, we, that may be the hand that the Saints are dealt. It may be. It might. And to your point, if that's the case, I think the incentive there is to think it really hard for the Saints, your second or third round pick, go get a running back, go get another back that you can put with Alvin Kamara and and see what you can do there. Because I think that's where if the Saints are going to win games and we knew, look, there was only seven wins last year, but the ones where they looked most impressive, you kind of look at a Seattle game where they just ran down the opponent's throat. And I think with, with Alvin, with Taysom Hill, and then add another exciting young back, whether it's a Tajay Spears from a Tulane or Jameer Gibbs from Alabama, yeah. or even a B. John Robinson. I know that's kind of the, uh, the pipe dream there. Cause you probably have to use a first round pick on a running back. And that's obviously a little iffy in today's kind of age of right. football. You talk about a three headed monster in terms of the run game. You can absolutely make the argument and, and, and you hope that guys like Olave and, and Rashid Shahid another year in that system get even better. So don't get me wrong. I, I, I think no matter what they do at quarterback, the division's so bad that I'm going to look around and say, well, they'll have a shot. You would just like to see them make the upgrade so you could say, you know, they should be the favorites. And if they don't win the division, then they got to look in the mirror and make legitimate changes, not just for 2024, but the years after. So uh, we'll see. But I, to your point. Uh, I do think there is kind of a path there, even if it is Andy Dalton back. It's just I know for a fact that fans would definitely not be thrilled. <laughs> yeah, they would. They would not be happy about that. So as we go full circle, come March seventeenth, Michael Thomas no longer a saint, right? He's gone. That that would be my guess, uh, and and it pains me to say I I could see him going to Kansas City, and who knows, maybe he's lifting the Lombardi Trophy. Uh. Fast forward to next February, that that could very well happen. Uh, we saw what they did with Juju Schuster, the, the kind of reclamation project there. Can we chastise him like we did Durant when he went to the Golden State Warriors, please? Can we do that if you know, that's I, the case? I would almost cut him a little bit of slack just because the sport's so brutal <laughs> and what he's gone through. But it would be it really would be a tough feeling, right? Because we, how many years did we think that he was going to be part of a championship roster yeah, in yeah. New Orleans and never really materialized? Unbelievable. Uh, Chris, thank you. Happy Lundy Gras, buddy. Take care of yourself. Have a good one. Thank you for having me, Jordy. All right, Chris Rose for Glue. We'll take a quick time out here at 31 minutes after the hour. Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcast, next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Get your earplugs ready because the monster trucks are coming back to the Cajun Dome. The toughest monster truck tour returns March 17th and 18th in the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles has a VIP package to the toughest monster truck tour. Enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com. VIP package includes four tickets and access to the pit area, a merchandise certificate, and lunch with the truck drivers on that Friday. Pretty cool. The toughest monster truck tour is coming back, and you can win a VIP package courtesy of the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. 
He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So what's the secret to the Blonde Bomber's success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You look marvelous. Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back 35 minutes after the hour on this President's Day, a.k.a. Lundy Gras Day, Monday, February the 20th. We welcome our guest, Blake Rafino from the Are You Serious podcast. Blake, good afternoon, sir. Good, good afternoon. How are you, George? I'm terrific. LSU announced over the weekend the spring practice will begin on uh, March 24th, which is a Friday. The pro day will be April the 6th, which is a Thursday. And the spring game will be April 23rd, which is a Sunday. I don't think I've ever seen a spring game on a Sunday. That's got to be television uh, made for TV. It's got to be. Well, good. At least we won't have to stream it and the audio and quality be bad. I'm okay with that, Jordy. I mean, I'm fine with that. I don't know how you feel, but I'm good with that. I don't care. I'm not going to be there anyway. I'm not going to be on my <laughs> spring games. I, I don't. I, uh, don't get me started on spring games. Anyway, um, okay. So uh, you have a podcast that you do all the time. Um, now that you know football has been kind of quiet a little bit, what what's everybody talking about when uh, when you look and open up your stuff, your social media stuff? <clears throat> what are people talking about? Well, I would tell you that LSU baseball starting this weekend is obviously really good with LSU basketball being down, at least men's basketball being down. Um, I, I think over the weekend, Jordy, now, to your listeners, they could go to our Twitter, AYS Sports. Um, really interesting over the, over the weekend. Um, I, I know that it was talked about a little bit during the week of uh, Alabama, but Bryce Young and Jaden Daniels having a really close relationship, both of them working out in Dallas. Uh, this past weekend, uh, obviously, Bryce getting ready for the draft, but also C.J. Stroud getting ready for the uh, NFL draft uh, as well. Jordy, just him working out a lot, um, I guess to just really enhance his mechanics. I think he's just got to get more comfortable with throwing the ball down the field. I thought that he looked good in it. Um, really highly accurate on deep passes. So that's something that we'll talk talk about. Excuse me, talk about tonight. But obviously, the number one thing, baseball, and then obviously we're always talking football. Yeah, um, I went. I went away when the Scott Woodward hired all these new coaches. I I, I kind of posed the question: Who do you think is going to win a national championship first? And I, I thought it'd be a close race between Jake Johnson and Kim Mulkey. I picked Jake Johnson, and and I still think. I mean, they're loaded, man. They got, if they stay healthy, they are loaded. Yeah, and Paul Skeens, although the SEC pitcher of the weekend, he also just got, LSU Baseball just announced that he got the National Player of the Weekend yeah. uh, as well. And so and there were a lot of big-time uh, performances. You know, I look at Bozier Shitty's, uh Amani Larry from Mississippi State had a massive weekend. A lot of big names this past weekend had a lot of big days, but Paul, none bigger than Paul Skeen. Uh, and really, Jordy, I know a lot of people are upset, 
about what they did to play, they'll be fine there. They hit the ball hard a lot. It just got it just went into the location and found the glove of the opponent. I, I would be more worried, Jordy, if they were at the plate striking out, which they did not do hardly any. Right. Um, but I mean, the pitching staff, I think, was something that everybody had questions about, and Riley Cooper surprising some people. Um, so they looked really good. Now we got now we get to see tomorrow at two. Thatcher heard what I mean. Jordy, it would appear, it would appear that Jay is attempting to put Thatcher Hurd in the situation where he's going to pitch against Texas, who went 0 3 against the SEC this past weekend, I might add. Uh, but you've got four really decent starters so far, and yeah. the bullpen did pretty well. So something to really look, look forward to and how they're doing things. The most impressive thing to me, and look, Skeens, uh, when, when you're throwing the ball, your first pitch is 98, your last pitch is 97, in that cold with 90-something pitches, I can't imagine what he's going to throw when that, when that heat starts coming up and that arm gets a little bit looser. But the thing that was the most impressive to me is three games, not one single error. And that's what that was the bugaboo of this team a year ago. Boy, they, they shored up defensively at least – early on. Yeah, and, and look, the only – and people were still complaining it wasn't even there about Jordan Thompson. He was trying to come home with that ball Sunday, okay? Uh, or I think it might have been Sunday, but it might have been Saturday. I don't remember. It kind of comes into, you know, all of it being one. But he has such a big arm that he can refield the ball, throw it to first with the four steps left to go because he's got a massive arm. But I'm with you. The biggest takeaway from the weekend is obviously pitching and then not committing there. And, and quite honestly, Jordy, here, here's the here's what national championship teams do. Okay, go look at across any team that's won a national title in baseball. Their eight and nine hole hitters hit and hit pretty massively. And I know that it was a philosophy by Paul to have a really great defensive catcher. But now you got Jared Jones who's been DHing who can absolutely just skyrocket a baseball. And then you got Brady Neal, who, Jordy, if the wind's not blowing 15 miles an hour Friday, he hits two bombs. <laughs> He's a freshman, yeah. by the way, who reclassified and should be getting prepared for his senior prom, I might add. So yeah. they're just really good all around. <laughs> And so they'll have a big weekend this weekend, though, going to get some good teams in the Big 12 um, and Tuesday. So gear up. It's going to be a fun weekend. The only thing that I'm mad about, Jordan, the only thing that I'm mad about, Don't they left mad. eight runners on base this weekend. That's not great. But, Don't be mad. man, I gotta, it's, you it's, got to pay a subscription to watch baseball this early. weekend. you got to pay everybody $25. Gets, everybody gets mad. I mean, let's slow down, everybody. What are you saying? People are getting mad over – Thompson's throw. People are getting mad because they didn't hit at the point. Oh, man, Jeez, you should have seen the, my show people. last night, Jordy. You should have seen the show last night. They were furious. Settle furious. down, people. Golly. You know what I like also? I this, in accordance with no errors, I like how this team looks getting off the bus. The pulmonary days right. are short, thin. That's over. We got some tall, big studs out there. I like that, man. That brings back memories. Guys that can hit the ball out the park, I like it. Yeah, they definitely looked apart. You know, I, I mean, 
good luck. You know, if this were a bar fight team, you know, like what team do you want, to, you know, to go to the bar with and help you in a fight, LSU would obviously be number one. That's for damn sure. <laughs> Blake Rafino joining us. Um, all right, spring football practice gets underway. I said earlier on, to, on the 24th, they'll go the 24th, 26th, 29th, 31st. Um, blah, 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 whatever. Uh, 15 practices in all. Um, mm-hmm. This is a, you know, this is an opportunity to to see who's who are you looking forward besides Jalen, uh, Jaden Daniels and all, but who who are you out there looking at to see? Okay, man, I want to see this guy. How how much bigger, stronger, faster, and how much improvement? I mean, we didn't see much of Mason Smith, right? So I wonder how how he's coming along and who else is out there. I think Denver Harris is somebody to key on on. I think, you know, a former five-star, can he be that lockdown corner that you need? Uh, but really and truthfully, I want to go look at the offensive line, really just both lines of scrimmage, right? I, I think both lines of scrimmage, written more defensively, you just got to see what you, what you have there. Now, a lot of people complained about the O-line last year, and – I don't mean this to the people who think that they did bad. Says whom? Jordy, again, they ran the football at such a high clip. They ran the – Jordy, if I would have told you but to begin the season, this football team with this offensive line, quote-unquote, would run the ball for 185 yards per game, would you take it? Because I would. Yeah, oh, I would. oh, and by the way, by the way, they threw the ball on average per game 275 yards. Okay, so when people look at what well, well, Jane Daniels didn't do this, Jane Daniels didn't do that. Jordy, I'm taking 275 yards passing and 183 yards rushing all the live long day. Yeah, yeah. Every, I think what people want to see is how much of that yardage on the ground actually came from running backs as opposed to Daniels scrambling around and, and picking up yeah, a lot of yard, per, yardage that way. So I still think LSU needs a bell cow quick. running back. I really do. Well, it was 33% by Daniels. So, I mean, yeah. two-thirds two thirds of your running game was coming from the backs. That's um, fine. By the way, That's fine. By the way, your best back, your best back to start the season was out. Armani Goodwin went out with a hamstring. Yeah. He was easily your best back hmm. to start the season. Then okay. you had situations where Josh Williams had to step in and really help you out. Now you got Trey Holly and Caleb Jackson. One of those backs that were there last year, Jordy, is not going to play. They're not. And I don't think it's going to be Josh. I think Josh Williams has kind of solidified himself. So yep. either Noah Kane or John Amber are going to have to pick it up because those two young men are coming and they are raving about the intelligence and not only intelligence, but how good Trey Holly can catch the ball out of the backfield. Hmm. I like that. Is he a Clyde Edwards Alaire type of back? With with more power, yes. Uh, wow. Where where Clyde was more shifty, I don't think Trey's as shifty as that, but good luck. I mean, if he puts his head down, good luck. I mean, it, it's like hitting a, hand, uh, uh, a, a hamster on steroids. He's short, right? I mean, he's not a tall back. He's like no, five what five seven five eight five seven five eight 
the kind of guy that gets lost behind that offensive line. Is there going to be any – what's the biggest position battle on the offensive line? Right guard, I would think. The, pit, the spring right guard. Um, hmm. I think Charles Turner did okay at center going back and looking at it. But, I mean, you're really, really truthfully, Jordy. I mean, I think Gary Dellinger's going to play. But you're waiting until the big hall, Joanne uh, Curry, gets in the town. Okay. Right. I so, I, I think that he's going to start at right tackle, which then kicks in Emory Jones to right guard. Think about this. And we talked about this about a, about a year ago on your show, saying if, we got, if they got Dwayne Curry. Jordan, you have the potential at three five-star offensive linemen from the state of Louisiana on your roster. Should be a position of that strength. Is, I mean, there's no excuse. It should be one of the most uh, strengthful positions on the team. We shall see. All right, Blake Murphino. I hope you have the day off tomorrow, man. Enjoy it. Me too. Um, and thank you as always. Yes, sir. You too. Good time. You got it. Spring football game on a Sunday, April 23rd. Who cares? It's a Sunday. Who cares? We'll take a uh, final time out of the day. Uh, birthday wishes coming up. After this, this is the Jordy Holberg show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Listen up now. Delta Media Corps is looking for a self-motivated and hardworking individuals to join the team. Delta Media is currently hiring a human resources manager to manage the HR department to hire, to interview, to administer pay for benefits, and more. In addition, we're looking to add an account executive. Training is available. If interested, send your resume to Jay Cochran, J-C-O-C-H-R-A-N, at Delta Media Corp, C-O-R-P, dot com. Delta Media Corp is an equal opportunity employer. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Okay, we're back. 53, almost 54 minutes after the hour. Special thanks to our guest today. Ben McDonald talking LSU baseball, who came away with a uh, a great opening day, opening weekend as they swept um, Western Michigan, outscored them by what twenty four to five. Most important thing: error free defense. The pitching allowed only three hits in each of the three games, so a total of nine hits. They were you can't ask for a better start. They've got. Uh, Four-game week this week, starting tomorrow at 2 o'clock, Southern University um, come to the box. So um, they'll they'll keep on keeping on. Thatcher Hurd will get the pick, get the ball, and uh, we'll see what he can do, the UCLA uh, transfer. Glenn West, we talked to poor LSU men's basketball, 14 straight losses. The women, 25-1, um, and 13-1 in the league, number five in the country. They keep on keeping on there. Looking for another showdown with South Carolina, who had to go into overtime to beat Ole Miss yesterday. 
Shelby Mast with his uh, bracketology, Alabama number one. Chris Rose for glue. Michael Thomas, sure as gold, gone. Not going to be playing for the New Orleans Saints when we hit about March 15th. He'll be hasta la vista. Um, it's inevitable. And then Blake Rafina, and we talked about LSU spring football uh, coming up uh, later in March. So there you go. We will be off tomorrow to celebrate Mardi Gras. We'll have national programming on. So um, there you go. We are looking forward to having a having a well-deserved day off. So thank you, management, for doing that. And um, hope we get out there and see some of those parades in Lafayette. That'll be fun. Um, NBA is uh, cranking up again uh, later on this week. We'll see what the Pels can do as far as that is concerned. And uh, we'll keep you up to date on the Cajuns and the Cowboys in baseball because um, that's significant and important as well. LSU baseball again tomorrow versus Southern at 2 p.m. Then they have Friday versus Kansas State at 2 p.m. So we'll be off on Friday, Saturday, 12 noon versus Iowa, Sunday at 4 p.m. Versus Sam Houston. This is all brought to you by D1Baseball.com. And you can always listen to the ball games here, I do believe, uh, on the games. So they'll be playing at Dell Diamond, the home of the trip, uh, Texas Rangers AAA affiliate, the Round Rock Express. If today is your birthday, February 20th, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. Was a great player uh, and even better at, as a just a fun NBA analyst, Charles Barkley, 60 years young today. I can remember uh, watching the SEC tournament, uh, covering LSU and doing the games on, um, on television. And Charles Barkley, I can remember him rebounding the basketball, taking it the length of the court, going behind his back once, behind his back twice, and raising up and throwing it down. And uh, people went nuts. The round mound of rebound. Charles Barkley does a great job. James, thank you. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to our partners who make it possible. Until Wednesday, God willing, I'm Jordan Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another and uh, be happy. Crunch time with Mesh, Miguez and Mesh next. <laughs> 